A reading from the book of Philippians. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. For if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I don't really know which one is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that we, you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Paul Sorensen, and I am the senior pastor of One Fellowship. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are looking at Philippians chapter one, and I'm excited to dive into this passage with you. The title of my message is In This Together. And I wanna begin with this question. How do you approach suffering? How do you approach suffering? My wife, Carly, who gracefully read scripture with us this morning, Carly loses the ability to think clearly in the midst of suffering. A couple of years ago, Carly was coming down with what we thought was a cold, and and she wouldn't go to the doctor, and she finally went to the doctor. And lo and behold, the doctor said, you have bronchitis, and actually the early stages of pneumonia. And so they put uh, her on antibiotics, on some heavy meds, and she was finally healthy enough to to go back to teaching, she teaches fourth grade, and I thought I'd be that sweet husband that dropped off flowers 
a little gift for her. So I brought her flowers. And I also brought her this supplement, this vitamin supplement called Airborne. Any of you know what Airborne is? Well, anyway, I brought her Airborne to help her recover. Only later that night, she told me that she opened the Airborne package and actually put one of those lozenges in her mouth. And she started foaming from her mouth. And one of her fourth graders said, Miss Sorensen, are you, are you okay? And then another said, Miss Sorensen, I, I think you're supposed to dissolve the Airborne in water. How do you approach suffering? This last week, uh, our director of operations, Tiffany, got a text message from her husband, Jonathan. And he said, Tiff, I'm going to go panic shopping, panic prepping. So he went to the grocery store. You see, Jonathan loses the ability to shop clearly amidst suffering. What do I mean by this? Well, he came home and she thought, well, he's just going to get you know, the bare essentials. And she looked at his receipt. And here are the first three items she saw on Jonathan's receipt as we're in the midst of the coronavirus. First, he bought a whole box of Gushers. Anyone have Gushers? Of course, we need those during a, a, a global pandemic. Second on the list were Welch's fruit snacks. Anyone ever have Welch's fruit snacks? And of course, who doesn't need this third item? David's Buffalo-style ranch sunflower seeds. Anyone else buy those for the coronavirus? Well, Jonathan did. How do you approach suffering? As a church committed both to our community and our city, we are aiming to love clearly in the midst of suffering. I'm so proud of our team that last week we did a big pivot and we went fully virtual online starting last Monday. If you go to onefellowship.church backslash online, you can see resources and ways to connect with us daily, bi-weekly, weekly, etc. You see, we all suffer, but not all of us handle suffering the same way. And I think this gets to the heart of our passage. I think the big idea for us this morning from Philippians 1 is this. For those who trust in Jesus, suffering is a platform to share, strengthen, and unite our faith in Jesus. Let me repeat that. For those who trust in Jesus, suffering is a platform to share, strengthen, and unite our faith in Jesus. So let's unpack these three points today. Point one, suffering is a platform to share our faith in Jesus. Our passage began like this, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has happened to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. This is a book, this book of Philippians, it was a letter really written by the apostle Paul. And Paul was a man on a mission. 
some background information about our passage, Paul formerly was a violent, or as Acts describes him, a murderous Jewish leader. Originally, he hated Christians. He was actually tasked with dragging men, women, and children into jails and actually putting some of them even to death. Then we read about this huge conversion in the book of Acts where he actually is blinded by Jesus. And then he experiences life change in him. He's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. He loved the church in Philippi, and it was a church he helped start. It was actually the first church in all of Europe. And as he writes this letter, he is suffering. He is in a jail cell uh, run by the Roman government. But as we see here, Paul was a man on a mission. Paul was sold out for the gospel or the good news of Jesus. So what is the gospel? Let's lay that out clearly this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, we read in John 3.16. And as we live on mission with Jesus, as we live into our faith, sometimes great faith encounters great suffering. And that's what we see here in the book of Philippians. And yet, for Paul, suffering was an ally, not an adversary. As it creates new opportunities to share the love of Jesus, both to his world as well as our own world. Let's look at this specific opening passage. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, check this out, that everything that's happened to me here has helped. It's been helpful that I've been persecuted. It's been helpful that I've been imprisoned. It's been helpful that I'm suffering. Why? Because everyone with whom I'm coming into contact with is hearing about Jesus. If I wasn't going through this suffering, I wouldn't be having the opportunity to share this message with certain people at this certain time, at this certain place in history. I love how he says, I've shared it with the whole palace guard. This would be an elite fighting unit, 9,000 soldiers, the best of the best in the Roman government, in the Roman Empire. They would have been handpicked and paid double in that day and age. And here's the deal. With elite Roman prisoners, they would have had two of these guys chained to Paul at all times. And the picture here is clear. As each one of these guys is chained to Paul, Paul is raising praise to God because he has the opportunity to share with these elite soldiers the love of Jesus. In the words of theologian Walter Henson, Paul holds up his chains for all to see. Though the messenger may be bound in chains, the message cannot be bound. And have you considered that as our entire world becomes a prisoner 
to the coronavirus, God is presenting you with new opportunities to share the love of Jesus to the world around you. Point one, suffering is a platform to share our faith in Jesus. Point two, suffering is a platform to strengthen our faith in Jesus. Paul goes on, I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. All right, we need some audience participation from your couch, from your home, from your family, right now. I don't know about you, but I appreciate good taglines. And I want, to, I want to know, I want to see if you know what companies these taglines belong to. Ready? Just do it. Think different. Because you're worth it. It's finger looking good. Open happiness. America runs on Duncan, I'm loving it. Did you get those right? Here are the answers. Just do it belongs to Nike. Think different, that belongs to Apple. Because you're worth it, L'Oreal. It's finger licking good, KFC, Open Happiness, Coca-Cola, America Runs on Duncan, Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm loving it, McDonald's. Fill in the blank for me right now. To live is for you. To live is Clemson football. To live is Buccaneers football. Did you see they got Tom Brady? To live is meeting that special someone. To live is finally getting that special car. To live is finally making that special grade. To live is finally buying that special house. To live is finally getting that special job or that special promotion. To live is finally launching that special business. To live is finally going to that special place. And the list goes on and on and on. In researching this passage, historians found this on an ancient Carthage inscription, or excuse me, building. To laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game, that is life. What is life to you? For Paul, here is his tagline. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And more specific, in the original language, there are no verbs. So it's really meant to be read like this. To live Christ, to die, gain. To live Christ, to die, gain. To live Christ, to die, gain. What is the tagline 
of your life. We are all created for a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And throughout the Bible and history, we see that God will use any means, including suffering, to bring us back to him. Let me read from Jesus himself from his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, as translated in the message. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. As we sit in our homes in the coming days, what if we turned down the volume of the media and the world and turned up the volume of God's love and his word? How might that impact your life? How might that impact your family? How might that impact your future? My wife shared a story this week I'd like to share with you. She got a picture of a four-year-old reading a devotional to their one-year-old sibling. Why? Because they're able to be at home and do that together. You see, suffering in these times together create a platform to strengthen our faith in Jesus. And then point three, suffering is a platform to unite our faith in Jesus. The passage goes on, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. Over the last couple of months, I've been able to hear several defining moments from members of our church, and I'd like to share one of those with you today. Uh, Drew McCarty, who lives here on Daniel Island with her family, she said her one defining moment was this. Um, her and her husband, they were looking for a life group to join, to do life together in our church beyond Sunday mornings. So they showed up at this one life group. I think it was led by the Maxwells at that time. And she said the first time they were there, it was really kind of a dark conversation, kind of a depressing conversation. Why? Well, the group talked about how they're struggling. And specifically, the group leader, Meredith, talked about how she's struggling as she has family members that are in and out of the hospital. She has to care for aging parents, one of whom might have Alzheimer's. And as Drew listened to this, typically you would think, well, that's not a good opening, entrance to a life group. She said it made all the difference for her because Drew herself was struggling. Her dad has chronic 
leukemia. He had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's, as well as a couple different forms of cancer. That group, that unity, that sharing in the midst of suffering is exactly what Drew needed. And that was her defining moment in our church. Tim Keller has this to say about community and suffering. Community grows naturally out of shared experience. And the more intense the experience, the more intense the community. Community comes together around deep beliefs and causes or powerful common experiences like going through a flood or battle together and surviving. When they, people, come through it together, it becomes the basis for a deep, permanent bond stronger than blood. You see, through suffering, God wants to unite us as one people under one love. Listen to Paul's words again. Whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And in the original language, it's even tighter. It actually can be translated as you come together as one man fighting together. One person. That's how tight we're called to be as a gospel community under the love of God. This week, I've had several nudges. I've talked to more people this week than I I think I've talked to in the last month. It's been spectacular getting to connect with many of you. I feel like the Holy Spirit was nudging me to reach out to our friend Max. Some of you know Max. Max has an autoimmune disease. During the flu season, he can't even come outside. I think Max is in his 30s. So he's not able to join us in person for Sunday services, typically during this time of the year. And we FaceTimed, and I said, Max, how are you doing in the midst of this coronavirus? And he goes, you know, Paul, when I was first diagnosed with the autoimmune disease several years ago, you know, everyone's world kept spinning. My world stopped. It changed everything. But with what's going on in the world right now, everyone's world has stopped. And I don't feel so alone anymore. You see, through challenging times, God wants to connect you and me to not only the love of his son, but the love of one another as a gospel community. And I've been so encouraged hearing how that's happening in our community. If you're someone who does not have a gospel community, does not have friendships that stand the test of time, we invite you to join us right here, right now, in this moment, in this season of your life and our life, in this moment in history. We actually have all these groups that are working, excuse me, connecting virtually throughout the week. I got screenshots of the students, middle school students, high school students meeting together. I saw screenshots of a group of young professionals. I, saw, I heard stories of a different group meeting together. 
through Google Hangouts and Zoom. We are connecting maybe more now than ever. We're not meant to do life alone, especially in the midst of our struggle and our suffering. You see, suffering is a platform to unite our faith in Jesus. So in summary, the big idea is this. For those who trust in Jesus, suffering is a platform to share, strengthen, and unite our faith in him. So three takeaways, three simple next steps. And they actually have different directions. The first, I will call us all, including myself, my family, we're called to share, look outward. What if each one of us offered one touch point to someone outside of our family every day with the love of Jesus? Hey, I'm here for you. Can I share with you? Do you need anything? How far would our reach go as a community? What about once a day we committed to strengthen our faith through common devotionals? If you are not yet joining us by listening or reading the Bible in one year, we invite you to go to onefellowship.church backslash online and follow the link. It is spectacular. And it's awesome to hear how people are being impacted by finally diving into God's word for themselves or their family. And last but not least, after we go out and up, we turn in as a community of faith. I challenge each one of us to reach out to one person in our church every day and say, how can I pray for you? Or I've been praying for you today. It would make all the difference in the world. For those who trust in Jesus, suffering, what we're dealing right now, it's a platform to share, to strengthen, and then unite our faith in him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am in awe of the faith of the Apostle Paul, how he rejoices in his suffering, how he says it is a privilege to not only trust in you, but also suffer for you. God, would you help us to share our faith, strengthen our faith, unite us in faith, not only for our church, but our city in our world. For those, for those of you who may be watching this that don't know Jesus, I just invite you to say yes. The Bible says again and again, repent, which simply means to turn. Turn from going one way and do a 180 and, and go the other way. Repent and believe. Turn from the way you're going and believe that God loves you with an everlasting love and he wants to offer you a life change, not only in Jesus, but in gospel community. God, may we be satisfied and you be glorified today in our homes, in our hearts, and wherever we go. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.